back to the Gen X Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Trish The Dish. And I'm not going to do too much of an intro because um, I want to get right into it. This is one of my favorite podcasters out there right now. Who will save Generation X? Uh, Zabe. Um, you'll hear me fangirling pretty hard. Uh, we did have some... Um, recording issues, but I thought it was a perfect place to put, um, a, uh, a promo for, um, my pals over at the Haitian American diaries. So, um, little, little, little clunky there for a second in the middle, but, um, really hope you, uh, listen to that little, little advert we, we popped in instead. But, um, just a reminder, that if you want to be uh, a guest on the Gen X Voice podcast, or you want to be involved with um, kind of just unpacking and talking about um, an episode that maybe strikes a chord with you. I know Zabe will talk about a whole bunch of things from, um, you know, his podcast and um, growing up uh, without much interaction with his dad. Um coming from a divorced family, um, and then just sort of, you know, how he's parenting today and encouraging his daughter, um, to, to really thrive in the world of imagination. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on things like that. So find me on the web at genxvoice.com and through there you'll find links to all, all the things, even our Spotify playlist. Um, and also just, uh, follow at genxvoice in Facebook. Uh, there's a Facebook group and a page. The group is a little bit more active. That's where we actually have a little bit more conversations about the episodes themselves. And then at Gen X Voice on Instagram, where I always like to celebrate my guests there. So hope to see you on the internet. Uh, but until then, enjoy the show. Oh my gosh. Folks, I've got such a treat for you today. I'm sitting here with Jason Zabo, aka Zabe, from the Who Will Save Generation X podcast. Zabe, how are you doing besides being sick? <laughs> I'm I'm excited to be here, Trish. I am a big fan of the show. I think I've listened to most episodes, and uh, I'm excited to be on someone else's podcast for a change. This is new territory for me, so I'm excited. Please yeah. forgive my crappy voice. Uh, I normally sound a little not sick, but um, I'm here. I'm just happy that you, um, you, you felt like trucking forward with it because obviously I'm a huge fan of yours too. Um, and was a, uh, contestant and I don't want to say whether or not I won because I want folks to listen to that episode. I'll go ahead and post a link to not only all of Zabe's um, stuff. And we'll give you an opportunity later, Zabe, to plug all your, all your socials and everything like that. But I'll also post a link to that specific episode that I did with my very good friend, Gabriel, who's also been a guest on the Gen X voice podcast, but oh my gosh. So you're here, you're, you're not running the show. So everything that you say is fair game. There's no outtakes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I want to know everything about you. Like I am so excited because you are just, you're, you're such a creative person with this podcast. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to um, 
explain the podcast in your own words, because I'm like a giddy starstruck person right now that I feel like I won't do your amazing podcast justice. So um, I want to I want to have you kind of explain to the listeners what your amazing podcast is about, and then we'll take a journey to unpack how your childhood was as, uh, you know, oh, gosh, I'm so silly. I mean, obviously, if your podcast is named Who Will Save Generation X, uh, you might identify as a Gen Xer. So let's put a pin in that for that question I was going on for a second and actually ask you, Zabe, what year you were born and what generation you identify with. Well, Trish, uh, I was born in 1973. So if we go by the terms of Generation X being defined as those born between 1965 and 1980, that puts me mathematically square in the middle of Gen X. And therefore, I have no choice but be Gen X, right? I have the least amount of influence from the boomers before me or the millennials ahead of me. So I, Gen X is all I am and, frankly, all I care to be. <laughs> right. And – um being just a couple years older than me, um, it's really fun to listen to your, and again, I'll let, give you a chance to to plug that and explain your podcast in a minute, but there's sometimes these little nuggets that you'll throw out there that I'll be like, wow, he is literally just a couple years older than me because sometimes with the cultural zeitgeist of Gen X, it really is like if you weren't... Um, in consciousness at a certain time, you might not have picked up that particular bit of Gen X zeitgeist, cultural zeitgeist. Um, so, gosh, is I there a drinking you. game for every time you say zeitgeist? People have to yeah. take a shot. Is that what? Yeah, that I think I think that should be a new thing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but um, I want to um, do something that you do on your podcast really quickly oh. because um i'm like i said my i'm like hurting already this is why the camera's not on zabe because i've just got a permanent smile on my face <laughs> my cheeks are already hurting we're only Same. a few minutes in um i want to know what qualifies you as being a gen <laughs> x and what are your disqualifiers <laughs> <laughs> you didn't put that in the notes for me to prepare I for it i didn't well i mean let's say i haven't really given this much thought to be honest with you, uh, as far as what but my you ask every be. single one of your contestants. So surely you have well kind of an idea. I, I think what I said earlier, as far as being born in 1973 and not having no choice but be Gen X, that's a pretty good credential, I think. However, I, I was raised on television and movies and music of my era. That's like all I know. And uh, all I really have to offer this world, frankly, is my useless knowledge that I picked up in my childhood. So, you know, I didn't really have super involved parents, you know, so I was uh, left to fend for myself, as many of us were. And I, I feel like we're kind of getting jumping ahead um, with my credentials. So let's see here. Uh, I mean, how about this? Uh, my birthday is the same day as when The Breakfast Club takes place march 24th so oh that's yeah, kind of so, a cool thing yeah it's funny every time i watch that movie they they flash the date up on the screen i go hey it's my birthday i feel special for some reason uh i would feel special too because nothing except for beethoven is is like mentioned about my birthday december 16th so <laughs> i i think i would be completely excited about that okay so definitely latchkey kid like you said the time frame that you're in um being raised on the 
the Gen X music movies and TV, um, which is uh, kind of getting close to what we're going to talk about your podcast. And then um, what is your disqualifier? Damn it. I was hoping you'd forget that part. No way, Jose. <laughs> so you're going to out me here. Uh, if any of my listeners ever here, can I uh, take away some of my credibility here on hosting a Gen X trivia podcast? However, my wife, so she's five years younger than me. And she uh, she was entrenched in this stuff even more than I was, frankly. So I, I passed through a lot of the trivia that I put on the show through her to see if she can get it. If she gets it, then it's in the show. Um, <clears throat> but if she doesn't get it, that means it's, it's far too difficult. That's, she's kind of my barometer for that. But uh, there's several tentpole movies I've never seen. I've never seen Top Gun. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Like I, <laughs> you didn't get my actual reaction because I had <laughs> beat it myself. Uh, but I went, <gasps> <laughs> yeah. Oh, even like the, the things that I know and love and have been about, uh, you know, it runs deep, you know, but certain things that totally miss me, but, you know, pass by me, you know, there's, uh, if she was on here, she could give you the list of different Gen X movies I've never seen, but, you know, um, I wasn't uh, into like really heavy metal either growing up. That seemed like to be a, a very popular thing amongst a lot of the kids that I was growing up with. That's just kind of passed me by. I was, I was raised on the Beach Boys and the Monkees, and um, those were my early childhood musical influences uh, from my older brother, who's 10 years older than me. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question or not. I'm sorry, Trish. I'm I think I think it answers it perfectly. And um, I have to run this by our um, our judges to see if we're going to keep you on the podcast. Nah, just kidding, because obviously <laughs> I love all generations coming on, but especially uh, Gen X. So Zabe, now that we've kind of packaged up a little bit about your credentials and the fact that you've never seen Top Gun, we'll go ahead and keep you on. Uh, but I want to, I want you to go ahead now and tell the listeners about your amazing trivia podcast, like what it's about. And then we'll pack, we'll unpack it from there. Do you want like the history of it or well, first, first of all, just tell us what it is. Like, what is your podcast about? And then we'll kind of unpack that whole history stuff. Okay. So the show is a very lighthearted look at uh, the history, or sorry, a very lighthearted look at the, the stuff that made us Gen X, the, the pop culture that we were all ensconced in growing up. So you want to talk anything from the Brady Bunch reruns to, I don't know, Nirvana and Pulp Fiction. You know, that's kind of the bookends of the stuff that we talk about. So it's mostly heavy uh, with music and movies and television. And we play, it's basically three games we play and um, kind of mix it up a little bit here and there. But there's a, there's a good format that we go through that, that's pretty reliable. And I don't know. It kind of models it off a lot of the game shows that we play or we used to watch growing up. There's a family feud ep, a segment in the show that's, well, excuse me, dysfunctional family feud is what we call it. And right. It, Copyright rules. Yeah, yeah that's right. We, can't, we <clears throat> it has no connection whatsoever with the real family feud. Happened to be coincidence. But it's more of a, uh, you know, the fast money round that they play. But we turn it on its head and it's kind of a, uh, instead of a cooperative fast money where two players have to get 200 points to win we go head to head and whoever has the most points wins between the two contestants that are on the show yeah and it is um listeners you have got to listen because it is so much fun 
um, the way that you've set it up, you've got such a great voice for game show hosting. And my favorite part is that you do this whole thing that, uh, actors, you might remember, um, from watching, um, uh, sorry, wheel of fortune back in the day when they would kind of have the, the winner kind of float around these different showrooms, looking at all the different, what was that? The prize vault. The prize vault. Yeah, of course. And I think you even talk, you even call it that on your show. Um, but, you know, when you're a little older, sometimes your brain doesn't put all the mm-hmm. words right. <laughs> Tell me about but um, I love that. So what you do is um, you actually have prizes that your contestants can win. And you go through these eBay sort of um, items that are inspired by um, the topics that you're, are the, the quiz topics that you go through um, with the show. So I guess first things first, how in the world did you come up with this? So yeah, now we want the history, right? Now we're sold. We know what it's about. All the listeners are like, they probably even paused to this interview just to check it out. But how in the world did you get to the point where you went from being maybe a fan of game shows to being like, you know, what's missing in the Gen X void or the Gen X zeitgeist (laughs) drink is um a game show so let's let's hear how did you do that how did you get to that idea well the the history of it all you got to go way back really is basically i was a workaholic since about 21 years old um i skipped a lot of the fun stuff that that people did kids did in their 20s and i focused in on work and i had a uh, have a close to 30 year career now uh, in my industry. And about wow. a couple of years ago, uh, the company that I worked for for 25 years uh, dissolved. They went, uh, they went bankrupt and they sold off their assets. And one of our competitors uh, swooped in and picked up the company. And I work for them currently as my, as my day job. But I just, it just really dawned on me how after 25 years, I could be, I almost didn't have a job. Right. I was with this company. I thought I had a future there forever. You did all the things that the generations before us did correctly. You went right in and worked your way through and and were ready for that 50 year gold watch at the end. Right. Right. I thought I had a a, a nice soft place to land um, in my industry and in my company. And it just dawned on me that, wow, all this could be taken away in a second. You think you have security. You think you have a, a, a plan and a direction for your life. And it's suddenly gone. And, and I, I looked back at my life like, wow, I gave this company all the good years of my uh, young adult life, even into my middle age. And what do I have to show for it in a way? You know, what, where, where does that leave me for my future? And I just gave me, I just reflected on a lot of things in my life. And I came to the conclusion that I never really took a, took time to bet on myself in any way. I never created a thing. I never made my own thing. I was surrounded by people who were entrepreneurs and I had friends that started businesses and, and really claimed their stake in this world. And I looked at myself like, if they can do it, why can't I, you know, who, who, who are, who are all these other people that are making things their own, making, creating stuff out of nothing. And why can't that be me? So I thought, well, what can I do? And kind of going back to what I said before, it's like, well, what do I have? And I, I know a whole lot about plants and selling them because that's what I do for a living. Right. And, uh, and I know 
about different strokes and what's happening. <laughs> so what can we do? So uh, I, I moved from Southern California to St. George, Utah, and I was commuting back and forth for work um, for a while. And it's a long drive, six hour drive. And I heard about this thing called podcasting. And I'm like, well, maybe I should listen to that instead of, you know, the the songs that I was listening to. So I, I invested in some, uh, I, sorry, I reached out to my friends who were podcast fans, give me some recommendations. And I kind of fell in love with it. You know, I loved the format. I loved um, the, the feel of it. Uh, there was a kind of a community and there's inside jokes and uh, in these different shows I listened to, I'm like, wow, that that's all up my alley. That's all things that I enjoy. So, and, and I listened to that and I said, you know, I bet I could make a podcast. You know, what does it really take? And so I went on this journey to try and figure things out and create a, and give myself an education on what it is to be a podcaster. And here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it my, giving it my best, giving it my all and offering the world. Uh, the one thing that I have is this silliness. But what's so um, amazing to me is that um, you have really found um, this golden niche like there's nothing, at least I've never discovered anything remotely close to what you do and your, and your show is so amazing. I mean, just the, I mean, you talk about inside jokes in the podcasting world, like, oh yeah, we'll edit that, you know, <laughs> we'll right. edit that out or whatever. Um, your, your inside jokes, your inside Gen X jokes are just so awesome. I, I mean, you're very witty. Um, and my gosh, the amount of work that it seems to take to put your podcast together. I mean, surely you spent, and I mean, I don't know if it's hours, maybe you're just, you've got like a sort of knack at this, but you put nope. in sound bites, you put in, um, a little, a little historical information on some of the things, um, is, is it just purely like you're, um, you're kind of working with your wife and the internet to, to develop this? And like, does it really take a long time? I put about maybe 20, 25 hours per episode, to be honest with you. Wow. So it's more than I think a, a lot of people do, but I, I want to turn out a good product and I want to make people happy. And more than anything, I want to be correct in the, the information that I put out there because mm -hmm. there's nothing worse than being a trivia show and you give out the wrong answer, right? which we found out in the latest episode. Uh, right. I guess, yeah. Which by I, the way, I didn't catch it and I'm not going to, we're not going to spoil it here. I didn't, I, I, that's how great your podcast is. Um, again, I'm fangirling so hard over <laughs> your show and, and you did the same when I came on yours. So this is like, uh, this is so awesome to like reciprocate it, but, um, cause you even warned like, okay, can you spot the, you know, the mistake? And I was so vested and so into the trivia and everything. And I'm a longtime listener. I've listened to, you know, almost all your episodes and I still was surprised at the end. Like, oh, I forgot to like, I don't know. I don't know where that, that mess up was. So what a testimony to like just how great your podcast is. Um, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because I didn't. Thank you, Trisha. Yeah, no, it's your kind it's, words are, are, are filling my heart. 
But you definitely can tell that you put that kind of time in. And just for the listeners who aren't podcasters, um, I probably put in a quarter of that time. And I used to put in a lot more per episode until I learned how to do better editing and having better equipment. <laughs> like that really helped a lot. Um, but to put that kind of time in is really something. And like I said, the sound bites are so great. And just like the the like He-Man sound of people going backstage, like it triggers these sort of, you know, deep, dark crevices of our minds of growing up. That is just, uh, I don't know, is that intentional or is that just happenstance or is it like you created something that you would have wanted as, as a listener? I, I definitely, I definitely touch on the things that interests me, right? That when people say, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in life, that, that kind of talk, you've heard those people say those sorts of things before. Well, yeah. And I've had my own comments about that in other episodes because <laughs> I was a teacher and I loved it, but I worked harder than I ever worked any other job. <laughs> right. I, I have a friend that every time I'm around him, he remembers things that I've forgotten. I think, I think everyone has a friend like that, you know, that maybe has a better memory than you or, uh, and when they say something, hey, remember that time we did blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we're, we're about the same, about the age where, you know, stuff gets a little fuzzy from time to time, details. And well, we just have so much information in our hardware at this point. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but when they say something that really hits that in your mind and go, oh, yeah, that wave of nostalgia and that wave of happiness that you get from remembering something that was, that you, that was dead, frankly, it, it's such a good feeling. And I love the, having that feeling. And that's what I want to give people with these little parts that might tug at something. Like you mentioned that little sound clip. Uh, I have the little transition sound effects that, oh, yeah, it's from that cartoon. Like, Or it might bug people to the point of like, what is that sound from, damn it? I, I, I need to remember what that – it's familiar, but I can't place it. You know, So that's kind of what I'm going for with that. And it they make me happy, frankly. <laughs> Yeah, well, it makes it makes a lot of us happy because I know every single contestant you have is always like, thank you for making this like we're all we're all kind of middle age now and we we don't have a lot of things, I think. And maybe this is typical Gen X. I'll uh, you know, I'll 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 throw this back at you, but um, there's not a lot of things that bring us joy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, but like TV shows from the 80s and 70s. And like you said, some reruns um, from, you know, maybe deeper in the 70s um, and, and like music like that shit is just joyful. Like, do you think that the Internet and just um, the world we live in has has really allowed for our generation to joyfully go into middle age and our silver years? Or do you think that we're just like tired of being grumpy and decided to just create joy after all these cranky years? <laughs> well, I, I'm playing some armchair psychologist here. Look at the generation that we were raised in, the, the times we were raised in. It's times of turmoil, right? Of times of cultural change, change within our families. You know, we, we were the divorced generation, you know, before us, you know, it was scandalous whenever someone got a divorce. Now it's like, yeah, you know, hey, I'm sorry it didn't work out, you know, kind of thing. Um, but we had our little group of friends. And when one of our friend's parents got divorced, it was like, oh, no, now that kid is that family is damaged. The, the phrase broken home came from our generation. Right. Right. And it's a, 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 
a family that is no longer together, when parents aren't together, of course, that's hard for, for the kids. And of course, it's difficult. And but that that was kind of where we were. Right. So escape became very important, I think, for our generation. More. Oh, important- my gosh. Yes. I can't believe you just said that. That is escapism is such a huge part of our generation. Sorry, I'll let you keep going. But I just had to say. Oh my gosh. I'm sure like the old timey people during the great depression wanted some uh, escapism as well, you know, but technology wasn't quite there for them to get right where they needed to be, but technology was there for us. Right. So while maybe our parents uh, had to, uh, I'll share this story in a nutshell. And uh, so the story is when I was a kid, I would, my, my dad, my, my parents got divorced when we were very young. I was about nine. My mom split and basically said, Hey, I'll be back. And she never came back. One of those kind of things. And so I don't really have memories of my mom, like growing up, not really much at all, but my, my dad was there. My dad did the best he could, but my dad had no business raising children, frankly, in, in some regards, if my dad ever hears this, sorry, pop, but uh, you know, he, he didn't have good role models growing up uh, for being a parent, you know, being a good, someone said this to me recently, being a good dad hasn't been a thing until the last like 20, 30 years, right? It's, an, it's a newer development. Right. Well, I, I feel like it's our generation. Our generation decided like, fuck the shit that we had before. Um, we're going to make, we're going to make it different. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my dad, great guy, but doing the best he can. His, his idea of, of, <laughs> of kind of taking care of his kids is he took me and my brother and he would uh, dump us off at the movie theater in the morning, as soon as the movie theaters opened, he'd dump us off, hand my brother 20 bucks and said, I'll see you when I'm done with work. And that was our daycare. So yeah, uh, I was, I was about four when that started. And my brother was seven. Like, I, I think people would lose their minds if they saw a four-year-old, seven-year-old cruising around movie theater, movie hopping all day uh, today. Right. So uh, I probably saw Star Wars 69 times in the movie theater. Uh, 69 dudes. <laughs> uh, listen to Zabe's podcast for, for more on that. <laughs> you mentioned inside jokes, right guys? Right. Wink, wink. Um, but yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, the, the term latchkey kid, which by the way, was also a thing in the boomer generation. I found out from my aunt. Um, but I feel like, we we weren't just trapped at home like we had the mall we had like the galleria of uh, the the movie theaters and arcades so were you also you and your brother also going to arcades and things like that oh yeah oh yeah all the time you know like i said my dad tried to entertain us you know we we didn't we didn't have a mom growing up but you know my my dad couldn't connect with us on much other levels than play than fun and good times, which is great. There's worse things, <laughs> worse, worse attributes to have in a father, right? Than only being able to connect with, with play and fun. And um, I think a lot of that rubbed off on me, you know, with, I now have a daughter and that's where we really connect is our, uh, our ability to play and have fun. Like I'm a, I'm a big playmate for her. She's the only child. So she doesn't have siblings to play with. So, you know, when dad comes home from work, it's, it's, it's playtime and it's time to go. So I, I think I really inherited that from my dad and, you know, my daughter thinks that's a great thing to inherit, but I'm also trying to be a, a good father and, and raise her with things that my dad never did, you know, advice and, you know, connecting in a, in a deeper level. I think parents of our older generations had a hard time connecting in a, uh, in a heartful way 
you know, other than what we saw on TV, you know? So I'd watch Mr. Drummond or uh, Mike Brady and like, man, that, that, that's how you, that's, <laughs> I wish my dad was Mike Brady, you know, like. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, just the, I was watching family ties earlier today and, you know, Elise is, is talking to Alex about, you know, how she let him walk to the bus by himself and she hid behind, you know, trees to watch <laughs> and make sure that, you know, he looked both ways and it was like, I mean, I, I definitely didn't grow up with a mom who would even take the time to talk to me, let alone make sure I made it safe anywhere. Right, right. <laughs> so right. you're right. It's really, isn't it ironic that our generations were raised on these, like, you know, think about our, our parents were raised on like father knows best and Donna Reed and, you know, but for some reason we really took, um, the, you know, uh, these families that we watched and we really kind of believed in them. We believed in Punky Brewster's story. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that's part of the escapism that, that you're talking about, but I mean, it's surely the, the, the way that I watch my friends raise their kids. Cause you know, I don't have kids. Um, sometimes I'm really shocked. I'm like, wow, you're, you're really reasoning with that, that child, or I can't believe they're putting me on hold so that they can tend to their kid. That's been up mm -hmm. the 10th time since we've been on the phone, they're supposed to be in bed. You know, I, I get like these little triggers of like, you know, the, the past kind of generations of parenting, but that's totally not how our generation parents. No, not at all. Uh, our those shows that you mentioned before, like Father's Knows Best and, and all those kind of black and white old timey shows, I, from what I remember, at least those the dads on those shows kind of just there's a problem. The dad would kind of swoop in and give his little bit of wisdom and then off he went, you know, like and that's cool. But, you know, I, th I think kids need a little bit more than that than just, uh, you know, a, a ruffle of the hair and buck up, kiddo, you know. Walk it off, you know, pull up your bootstraps. That was, it seemed like that was kind of a, a lot of their advice, you know, it wasn't, wasn't really practical where, you know, I think the shows that we watched, you know, Mr. Drummond had some really practical advice for Arnold and um, so did Mr. Brady, frankly, you know, they, they were very much involved and hands-on. And I think that was uh, very influential on how Gen X parents raise their kids. And now we look at millennials having kids and how they raise, you know, so you, you get into these Facebook groups and there's, there's always like wars and, and fights about how you should raise kids. And there's uh, the sides. Oh, we, you know, when I was a kid, if I said something, my mom, you know, I'd get a bloody nose and all that kind of talk. And then you got the other side saying like, Oh, well that's child abuse. And, you know, <laughs> right. That's not right. <laughs> right. You know, just because it happened doesn't mean that that's the way it should be. Right. There's a lot of romantic romanticizing uh, corporal punishments uh, growing up, I think from, from older Gen X more uh, specifically. As a society, we we're definitely um, evolving. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. Older Gen Xers are going to sit there and be a little bit more boomery. I think that's why, the term Xennial came to be because a lot of us Xers that were born in the, you know, mid to late seventies. And I would put you in that too, because I think there's a real fine line there 
between 73 and 77. There's not a lot of differences. We still were collecting He-Man. We're still playing with Strawberry Shortcake. We're still watching different strokes. Like I'm sure everyone born in that pocket is going like, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's because I think that there was more of an acceptance of, so for instance, we weren't teenagers in the eighties. We were kids in the eighties and we were watching all the teen movies and learning, you know, John Hughes taught us how, you know, to not be, um, even though a lot of people think some of his movies are pretty terrible, which they are, <laughs> but uh, they were also showing a really, you know, the, like the terrible people, like just like the slasher films where like the people who have sex were the ones that died. Like it was kind of like a, <laughs> they were trying to teach us some kind of lesson, but right. Um, Morality it, through machetes. Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That is like, that should be on a shirt if it's not. <laughs> um, but, but like, there is definitely this sort of shift and I don't think we're going back ever um, to normalizing, as you said, corporal punishment. Like we were talking about spankings in schools, um, my friends and I, the other night and how we're the last generation that at our generation, when it came to be um, it was a note was sent home to get permission from the parents to be whooped instead of just going ahead and doing it. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for at least getting permission. <laughs> I mean, my mom never said yes. And she yeah. was terribly abusive. So it really was like, yes. no, that's not okay. No one's hitting my kid, but me, you know, right. We're, <laughs> like, say, we keep all our abuse in house. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the Zennials though, I think they kind of spawned out of not wanting to identify with the older Gen Xers because they had a lot of boomer spillover, right? Exactly. Exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, you know, us older Gen Xers, you know, we're not all bad, you know, (laughs) Uh, but see, I don't know if I count you as that because you're not 50. I'm uh, we're the yeah. pocket 50 to 55 and not everyone. I'm right in the middle, baby. But there there is there is still a lot of really interesting old school thoughts that you're just kind of like, wow, where were you, man, in the 90s? Oh, you were already knee deep in a career or, um, you know, you just weren't you weren't plugged in, I guess. I don't know. But then again, you weren't either. So you, you really do straddle kind of both sides and see that. Um, by the way, thanks for sharing about your childhood. And I don't want to just kind of run over that. Um, that is so, um, it's so common to come from the broken homes, as you said, and be kind of roam in the streets on your own. I think that's why we all love Goonies, no matter from, <laughs> from our generation on it's, it's basically the number one favorite movie that all my millennial guests choose actually, which is really interesting because that's our movie. But um, <laughs> do you, um, I mean, was part of your escapism um, also video games and riding your bike or, or were you really just connected to like TV and movies? I did it. I did it all. You know, I played outside. A stick instantly becomes a gun. You know, we played guns growing up and uh, we did all rode bikes, did all that kind of stuff. There's there's plenty of mischief to get into. But being a free range kid, you know, so my like I said before, my mom's gone. My dad's working from sunup to sundown. Oh, he's gone, folks. And now a message from one of our favorite podcasts. While we're dealing with these sound, uh, these uh, recording issues. Hi, I'm Jennifer. 
one of the co-hosts of The Haitian American Diaries. Thanks, Trish, for giving us the opportunity to share with your listeners about our efforts to help bring relief to some families we know in a small village devastated by the earthquake that hit southern Haiti in August 2021. You can search The Haitian American Diaries on all major podcast streaming platforms. Also on our Instagram or Facebook at Haitian American Diaries. Here's a preview of that episode. On August 14th, 2021, Haiti was hit by a 7.4 magnitude earthquake. A close family friend of ours, Junior Bellartiste, was able to share his story with us. Moi vivi une expérience c'est première fois. On voit ça dans vie. I lived an experience. It's the first time in my life I've seen something like this. Please follow the link in our Instagram bio and episode notes to the GoFundMe account where you can see pictures of the family and their homes and donate to help them during this difficult time. This, this is, is all for the, for love, the love of, of Lazio. Lazio. Okay, so where we last left off, Zane <laughs> was telling us that his dad was gone from sunrise to sundown, much like most of our parents were. Right. So you were asking me about if I was involved in stuff other than TV and movies. Yeah, of course playing with uh anything get my hands on you know what ended up being a toy you know we weren't really wealthy growing up you know so a lot of improvised toys and play came into uh, effect and you know um you know one of my favorite cherished toys which i have to this day is as it's just a stick i have this like walking cane stick that i got at a novelty shop for years ago and that stick was everything like i i I made up a, a superhero about it that had a stick and we play around the neighborhood and I was the stick guy. Right. And, uh, <laughs> wow. I love that. I can't, I still have, have it. it. Yeah. I still have it. And I gave it to my daughter and I told her the importance of this stick that I've had for 30 years or whatever, 35 oh, years. Oh, that's so awesome. And my daughter plays with that stick now, uh, whenever she wants to pretend in the same way that I did. So I, I, I want to, thumb my nose at all the people in the world that say, oh, kids today, they don't know how to play. They're stuck on their computer screens and their devices. I say, no, F you. My kid plays with the exact same stick that I played with when I was a little kid. Yeah. So are you making a conscientious decision in your parenting to make sure that your child has like imagination time and things like that? Like, do you, do you, regulate her time on technology? I don't think I have a choice on my daughter's creativity. Like she is the most wonderful little girl ever. Um, I'm, I'm completely biased. I get that. But she has a wonderful imagination as in depth as any imagination that I had growing up. And I, and I consider myself to have a really good imagination when I was a little boy. So she, she matches me step for step. Every little thing that she, that I did, she does. It's, it's amazing. It's weird. It's like in our DNA to, to see an object and to pretend it's a different object, you know? So that, that spirit is alive and well in kids today. Um, as far as regulating her time, you know, I, I, my wife does much more than I do because 
I put myself in her place. If I was a kid and the technology that these kids have today was available, I would jump all over it and be as immersed in it as they are. And well, and so, many of us Xers are like, yeah. I mean, there's constant interaction on Twitter and games and, you know, that, that whole scene is still so alive. I mean, we, we gravitated to it like duck to water. I mean, it was so such an easy transition for us. Right. And, you know, I know it's a very unpopular thing to say amongst my generation that's, you know, not having as much of a problem with devices and screen time for kids. And, you know, you guys parent your kids the way you think they should. Every kid is different. And some kids probably do not benefit from having as much screen time. But my daughter, she's the only child, and she goes on FaceTime with her friend who lives across town, and they'll play for hours and hours and hours. They're just not doing it face-to-face. They're playing the exact same games that I played when I was a kid, the exact same make-believe and fantasy stuff that I did when I was a kid, but they're just doing it virtually, you know, uh, over a screen or through a, through a device. And I think that's rad. I think that's super cool that they're able to do that. And I'm jealous that I wasn't able to do that when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, as an only child myself, I would have loved that. And I actually used to imagine like how cool it would be if you could see someone that you were talking to on the phone and yeah, then like the, like the Jetsons. Yeah, right? exactly. Or, or even like, you know, Star Trek or any of the sort of like spy movies that had right. those devices. It was like, oh, that would be so rad. And here we are all these years later with that exact same thing. It's just so incredible. Yeah, I was uh, growing up in my in my teen years specifically, uh, a very shy, introverted kid, um, not really one to put myself out there. And especially when it came to the ladies, you know, I was very inept. I was every every nerd and dork that you see in any John Hughes movie. That was me growing up, right? And but I was I was okay writing stuff. I was okay like um, uh, indirectly interacting with 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 girls and and people who are different than me, uh, these devices and stuff that kids have today would have been a godsend to me. Like if there, if social media existed, I would have been able to be much more uh, open to approaching um, dating or other friendships, you know, because like, it gives kind of a, a, an in, you know, when I was growing up, <laughs> it seemed like um, this is a whole, this is, a, is this on topic, Trish? Is this okay? Oh my gosh. Is a open up and fly. Let's go. Okay. So girls herded, you know, there was like a, a pack. They traveled in packs, right? And it, was, it took a lot of guts for a guy to come up and approach a girl that he might be interested in. And, you know, I just, I just wasn't that guy. You know, I didn't have the self-confidence in order to do that. You know, as weird as it sounds now, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, but social media and the ability to text or you know, talk, talking on the phone is, is a different animal than texting, right? So being able to, to text a girl growing up would have been amazing, would have been a game changer for me just because I get tongue-tied and you just, you, you feel like a dork, you know, and probably because I was. And but, you can't, you can't feel those uncomfortable silences when neither of you have any idea what you're going to say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I get that. You know, I, I had a girlfriend in quotes, right. When I was like 13 or whatever, and we'd call each other and just kind of sit on the phone and there'd be long periods of just silence. And like, and then you go, okay, well, see ya. 
<laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> you know, with, with text, those long silences don't mean anything. Not really. Right. It could be just that they had to go eat dinner or right. they're just away from their phone for a second. And it's not, yeah, very, very interesting. Very, very much a game changer. I wonder, I wonder if, oh man, I wonder if Gen Z have more game because of <laughs> being able to like text. And I think it's a different game, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. That's, yeah. I never really even thought about it like that. Um, because I mean, I'm such a chatterbox, so I, I was really good at, at phone calls and actually, um, you know, really thrived in that kind of way. And it's funny that you, you talk about girls, you know, kind of going in packs, um, because that's kind of how I felt like guys were too, but I was such a tomboy that I was able to like easily maneuver from pack to pack, (laughs) you know, like I would be the only girl in a pack of guys, um, or when I'd get with girls, like, I'd be like, let's go talk to those guys, you know? <laughs> um, did you, did you seem to have, was it ever difficult for you to approach uh, a, a young man that you were interested in? Was that, was that ever a obstacle for you growing up? You know, I don't, I don't know if that it was an obstacle, um, but it was, it was, I had different intentions, I guess, like, if, if I wanted to be friends with someone, um, I really had no problem reaching out. Um, and I'm still that way to this day, which is why you and I are friendly with each other. Um, and because it's like, if I want to be friends with you, I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care who's around. Um, but, but my problem always was, I didn't always know how to not be in the friend zone with guys. (laughs) And Hmm. so if I really liked a guy, um, I probably would never talk to him. Do um, guys have friend zones? Like I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like they do because I have so many guy friends. And, and it's like there's never with with so many of them, there's never been that sort of sexual tension or like dating interest. It was like, you know, I was like that girl in West Side story that was hanging out with the with the sharks, you know, like I was just <laughs> like. Or, or maybe it was the Jets. I don't know. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. But I mean, I really was just one of the guys and um, was able did to. Your, did your female friends ever have difficulties in that area, like appro- approaching boys? It seemed it- like it seemed like my female friends that 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 I was really close to, like, just didn't really date until I was kind of like older in high school. And then it seemed like um, my friends got prettier and more popular with the boys, you know what I mean? And, and like, and I, and I had like the same boyfriend for a couple of years. And, um, but I mean, it seems like the boys that I went after wholeheartedly, I ended up dating, but it's, it's like, I don't know. I feel like there were still those guys that I really, really liked that. I couldn't, I just couldn't get into that, you know, other than friend zone. So I don't know. I think it's complicated. I'm, I'm a complicated person, but you know, like, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that question, but, um, but so you and your wife though have, I mean, how did that, when did you start feeling like that changed for you? Were you, um, well into your thirties or, or did you just luck out with your wife? Well, I'm on marriage number two. So, um, wow. Yeah. Okay. 
So you married young or? No, I didn't. I, I, I married, I got married at 29 to my first wife and things did not work out. And, uh, previous to her, I had, uh, dated my, my current wife who we both had a, about a, a 10 year, um, we, we were both got married and both of our marriages ended and we were able to reconnect later on, uh, down the line. Wow. So, I love yeah. those kind of stories. Yeah, it's, you know, she, I, she's, she's been the love of my life, my whole life. And, um, you know, she, it took someone like her to bring out the, uh, or to, ex, to get rid of the shyness and um, lack of confidence that I've had my whole life, really. She's, a, she's an inspiring lady and changed my life forever, frankly. Oh, I love that. And now you have a, the, is the daughter that you have with her? Yes. Yes, that's and. our daughter, and yeah, it, you know, I don't, I don't think I should talk about my ex-wife, frankly. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to give energy to anything yeah. that's that's post <laughs> or, yeah. or or you know pre this life, um, for for sure. I got I got um, nothing but nothing but love for her, you know, and uh, but it's you know probably not appropriate to talk about her. There's reasons why they're exes, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and we can all relate to that for sure. Um, Zabe, for for listeners who are completely um, enthralled by your personality and especially your voice, I would love to give you an opportunity now to just sort of plug um, your your show, your social media, like where folks can find you. Um, you know, like let's 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 get people to to your podcast. The show is called "Who Will Save Generation Next Trivia Game Show," and you can find it wherever you find podcasts. Uh, I'm not going to rattle, rattle off the list, but everyone knows how to Google, right? So you can find it easily. I have a Facebook page and group of the same name where we get into some lively topics and discussions. And you're always posting some fun memes and things that are just like, I don't know, just good stuff that you've either cultivated from the internet or have created on your own. Well, Facebook can be a cesspool, right? Uh, we we try to <laughs> try to keep it nice and and fun. So one of the things that really attracted me to your show, Trish, is how much you put on Front Street. Like, let's get rid of these cultural divides and let's not, you know, uh, talk about which generation is better than the others or bring people down. Right? We don't got to bring others down or push others down to bring ourselves up. And that's really really appreciate yeah. about your show. And uh, you. that's kind of what we like to do on in the in the. On the Facebook page, you know, there's none of that, you know, back in my day, kids today don't understand, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's our job. It's our job as the bridge generation to bring everyone together and, 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 and show that like, it doesn't have to be like that, man. (laughs) Well, we're joining you on your mission. So that's, uh, you got supporting us. Yay. I love that. So really, um, Facebook and the podcast uh, itself are the two best ways to to get a hold of the show and find out more information about it. And if and if listeners that are from Gen X want to be on the show, do they just uh, email you or reach out to you via Facebook? Like how how do you go about getting guests? Email it works great. Uh, most of my guests come from uh, Facebook Messenger. You know, we're, we're we're big on Facebook, not so much the other social media platforms. Um, but you can email me at who will save Gen X at gmail.com. If you have a question about the show or would like to be a contestant, you know, we'd love to talk about it. 
and I highly recommend it. It's so much fun. And, um, sometimes when, you know, it's just like a real, um, you know, game show where you're like, Oh, I'd be so much better. And then when you're on it, you're just like, I cannot believe I got that wrong or <laughs> like, Oh, I got stumped. So, um, it's, it's super great. I highly recommend it again, listeners, the link will be, um, in the, in the show notes to the podcast. And especially when, um, my friend Gabriel and I were on it, but now Zabe, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. It's our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So what is your favorite memory from childhood? My favorite childhood memory has to be my eighth birthday. Well, I'm getting a little choked up even thinking about it. So on my eighth birthday, well, I really am. Ah, I have an older sister who I love. And um, wow, I didn't think I'd be getting choked up. Ah, anyways, uh, so she, uh, my, I'm getting choked up because my sister kidnapped me on my eighth birthday. She went into my school and she uh, abducted me out of school and Blind, literally blindfolded me and put me in a van and drove me away. And what? That sounds, That's like in that the sounds, movies. That sounds like the beginning of a terrible thing, right? But when she removed the blindfold, I was sitting in the most luxurious movie theater uh, available to me. It was called the Cinedome, and it was in, I believe, Orange, California. And so they called it the Cinedome because all the theaters were in a big dome. So you looked up and there's this, you know, dome shape with this intricate pattern on the ceiling. And I always remember as a kid thinking that was inside of R2-D2's head, you know. That was my, <laughs> right. That's perfect. You know, and he's got the projector too, right? So it, it kind of works out. So um, she, she had me and, and my buddy, Michael Klein. Shout out to you, Michael Klein, if you're listening. Uh, we we released the blindfolds. Movie starts. You see this Paramount Pictures uh, logo dissolve into a real mountain and it says at the bottom of the screen um south america i think it's 1935 and you see this dude coming out of the shadows with the fedora and a bullwhip and there he is oh Indiana i just Jones got chills himself. i just got chills the first time i ever saw rage of the lost ark on my for my eighth birthday and my sister took me and she made a big event out of it and i mean it was such a thrill and, um, you know, the part where, uh, here's spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, where Belloc has the lifts open the arc and uh, somehow Indiana Jones knows to shut his eyes and tells Marion to do the same. My sister reaches over and she put, puts her hand over my eyes and, you know, I just hear all the chaos and, and, and hell breaking loose on the screen. And, you know, my imagination fills in all the details of pictures like what's going on. And, uh, and then she finally releases my eyes and, and I see what happened. Like, okay. And Indy's safe. And like, who, you know, it, and, and she did that probably just to, you know, shield my eight-year-old eyes from seeing Nazis get melted. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was some intense shit as a kid. For sure. <laughs> Literally melts faces, but it wasn't for years after seeing that movie that I, I still close my eyes every time. And, um, oh my gosh, that's so and, and, and I, and whenever I did, I felt really close to my sister. So, um, shout out to you, Colleen. Thanks for doing that. Oh, I love it. Um, what is your favorite eighties band or musician? So for sure, my favorite, uh, eighties band is the cure. My, my first love, my first musical love of my life. And, um, my cousin Troy got me the cassette 
and let me borrow it. And I, I don't think I ever gave it back. I think I still have it, frankly. Um, and yeah. this is why you are such a cool person, because The Cure is um, one of my top three. Smith's Depeche Mode and The Cure, the holy trilogy or trinity of, yep. of, uh, of alternative music. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite 80s movie? Uh, it's 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 got to be the empire strikes back for sure awesome and um say did you go to college i did not go to college um i was raised in a very conservative christian home and my i was raised to think that uh, jesus was going to come back in the rapture any minute now and so why should i bother going to college that was kind of the uh environment that i had growing up and so college wasn't on my radar even a little bit uh, education was not rewarded or encouraged in my home uh, until later in my 20s, it dawned on me that college was something that I totally missed out on. And today it's one of my deepest regrets ever. Wow. And finally, um, Zabe, if you could give any advice to any generation, either the one above you, below you, our generation, um, or all generations, what advice would you give either to get through the dark times or just life advice in general? So advice was not something that was really given to me as a kid. Nobody ever like took me under the wing and said, hey, look, kid, this is the way the world works, you know. So I had to kind of figure stuff out on my own by, by watching my shows and my movies and, you know, uh, you know, reality like that, like happy days, reality. So uh, I, had, I have to always I've always been a little bitter towards older people around me that had life experiences that never took the time or effort to explain the world around me in terms that would make sense to me other than in religious terms, right? So, hey, just follow God and you'll be okay. That was always the answer for every problem. But um, that's cool and all, but but keeping the Lord first isn't going to help me learn how to talk to girls or plan for retirement or get a degree in college, right? So whether I, whenever I get a chance to offer advice to a younger generation, I, I jump at the chance, you know, for my nephews, my nieces, they know this all too well. I always tell them about my, my five-year rule. This is where I tell them to think back to when they were five and about the things that were most important to them. Then I ask them to think about, okay, what about when you're 10? Compare them to how important they were when you were five. Nothing about when you're 15. Were those things that were important to you when you were 10, the same importance to you when you're 15 and, and so on and so forth. So every five years or so, it seems like the things that were really important to us, the thing that scared us or worried us or get made us anxious, those things changed and, and they're no longer, uh, they, they seem silly and un, unimportant now, right? So it's very liberating when you think of things that stress you out, that they're very fleeting. And if you can manage to keep that perspective, it opens up possibilities for your present and therefore your future. So the one bit of advice I would give anyone is don't be afraid to try because the things that are holding you back in life won't bother you later on down the line. The things that you fear, the things that you think will, will uh, make you look like a fool or things that will scare you now won't scare you later on. So just try. They, they, they say, don't be afraid to fail. I take it another way. I say, don't be afraid to try. Failures will come, but try anyways. Man, I love that. Zabe, thank you so much for all the sharing you did. Um, it's so neat to peel back um, and find out what's behind who will save Generation X. And brother, I got to say, you're definitely up there with being a part of saving us. So thank you. Thank you, Trish. You are definitely doing your part to save Generation X as well. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.